You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Land on Jake Gyllenhaal before we get into this. Well, I think it depends on the movie. Well, yes. Joe had a lot to say beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I don't like his face. <laughs> he's got he's got such a derpy face. But like, yeah. Oh my god! It's a face that I'm telling you, like he grew into yes. as an adult. Like he doesn't look as derpy now, but as a kid, <laughs> oh my. god. Gosh, he looked like a drawing of himself that had been turned into a live-action person. It's the eyes, isn't it? And something it is. weird he's about got, the lips. He's got the weird puppy dog eyes. Mm-hmm. Him and his his sister looks like the Draw Me Turtle. She, she uh, if you remember from the magazines. Yes. Uh, but like, I don't know. Like, I, the, here's my thing about Jake Gyllenhaal. I think there are some things he does that he does really well. Have you ever seen the uh, the movie Nightcrawler? I haven't yet. You you've talked oh. about it before. He's so good in that movie it's like he's playing the same role that like joaquin phoenix kind of plays in joker but he's doing it better uh and he's he's just so good it's he's it's kind of like test do you know anything about that movie no i don't when you said Nightcrawler, I was like, "Oh, X Men, man!" What you- <laughs> From X Men, that was that was the big joke when it came out. Though, like, people would come out of the movie and be like, "But I didn't see Wolverine anywhere." In that movie. <laughs> hey, side note: Jake Gyllenhaal would have made a good Nightcrawler. That's my recast right, right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead. Um, okay, so it's it's this weird, like you know, uh, this paparazzi culture thing where like people on the street were getting the good. F- stuff and then selling it to the news mm-hmm. and he was trying to do that but he was always late getting to stuff so like one night he gets to like a car accident and a guy's like i'm dying help me and he just sits there and films him instead <gasps> oh, and shit. doesn't call the ambulance and then it starts getting to points where he's causing the disasters and so that way he's the first on the scene to get stuff oh, he, so it's like spider-man like, yeah, yeah, start selling it. He's like, he's like, which led to him playing Mysterio in Spider Man. There you go. Uh, but I, I like him in Spider Man. By the way, I thought he was good. I thought the writing in that second movie was it left a little to be Not desired, strong, but not the best. No, mm, yeah. but just because I think for anything, it would be because of that weird like bat- '60s Batman scene where he's like in the bar and he's like, "And you, here's your motivation for being a bad yes. guy. And you, you were this person." And I'm like, "We're better than that, guys." He's literally like, literally like pouring a toast, right? And a toast to yeah. us on this day of this auspicious day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I appreciated what they were going for, but. Um... Too heavy, but we, it was clunky. We all it saw it coming, clunky. so it wasn't like, yeah. "Oh, what? He's a bad guy." <laughs> I mean, he's Mysterio's only a bad guy in the comics for the past like fifty years. Exactly. Yeah, but so, if you didn't know, here's that scene for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's it. You guys up to anything? Do anything this week? Uh, other than stay quarantined. Well, uh, on Friday, uh, cel- you know, do a little Juneteenth celebrate. Not ce- you don't celebrate Juneteenth, do you? You Bro, uh, yes. stop it, stop it. Yes, Tess do. has already put you on the safe list. Okay, no, stop. <laughs> I'm just saying that's not the right word. You know, it's like saying, "Hey, Happy Memorial Day." Well, I'm not really happy about it, but uh, you know, it is a it is a. I mean, it's it's the, it was their Emancipation Day, so I guess it's kind of yeah. happy. 
I mean, there are, yeah. def- there, there are definitely festivals and random things that happen, but I mean, with everything going on. It's not it's like Good Friday, where it's called Good Friday, but it's the day it's Jesus actually bad. was killed. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. It was Emancipation Day, but two years too late in Texas. So definitely. it wasn't really, Bro. still not a very happy thing. We've even Texas will find a way to maybe, fuck everything maybe up. Maybe 202 years too late. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so my company, as well as other companies, are now uh, observing Juneteenth as a, as a holiday, right? So the office was closed. Exactly. We all had it off. Uh, and we celebrated by uh, playing The Last of Us 2, which was also released on that day uh, on PlayStation 4. Hey, look at Joe there with his Chuck E. Cheese mug. <laughs> this was, what the this hell? was one of my Father's Day gifts. No way! Oh, nice. Is it so? A few a few weeks back, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your story. No, that, no, that's uh, okay. I was just trying to be funny oh, and show you my man. cup. No, I like it. Um, but uh, but no, for Father's Day. Uh, all right, so sort of short backstory. Um, so Sarah was kind of shocked when she found out I didn't have my senior yearbook from high school. Oh yeah, I heard uh, about this. And and like for Father's Day, she and the kids surprised me with. A copy of my senior yearbook. I guess if you go to like classmates.com, oh, wow. <laughs> here's a, a plug for classmates.com. Yeah. Uh, if you go there, you could get a copy, a replica of your of your yearbook, whatever year yearbook you want from whatever school. And so she found mine and, and bought that. And then like the next couple of days, other gifts came trickling in. And uh, like one night we went to, uh, we went to Chuck E. Cheese. Cause like they were doing this weird, like COVID pandemic, $5 pizza, $5 wings. Oh, God. And I was like, you know what? We've got to do it. Cause I want to buy a Chuck. I, you know, I used to have oh. a Chuck when I was a kid. I want to buy a Chuck's before they go out of business because I'm pretty sure they're going to go out of business. And mm-hmm. uh, and so we went and I bought one and told her this whole story. I was like, man, when I was a kid, me and my family had all this branded Chuck E. Cheese stuff. And it was amazing. And like, I think my father had this mug and, you know, we were going through looking at items. I'm like, yeah, that's the one that I think my father had. And it's this one right here. That's awesome. And I was like. I was like, yeah, and I used to have this stuffed Chuck E. Cheese that was like, see, the original Chuck didn't look like this, like a skateboarder kid with like knee pads and like a backward <laughs> cap and stuff. He looked like a weird, like circus, like rat, carnivore barker guy. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, a rat. He looked like a rat. And so a couple days after the mug shows up, this oh, guy comes in. <laughs> oh, snap. Wow, there he is. Oh, I wow. used to have this when I was a kid. Yeah, in fact, same I would thing. always. And yeah, the same exact one. And I would always obsess over the fact that his mouth is here, but his teeth. But his are teeth here. are there, and there's no hole between the teeth and the mouth. <laughs> and, and as a kid, I was like, "Huh?" And I think at one point, I even snipped the teeth off oh because it just it didn't make sense to me. But yeah, when this this thing showed up in the mail, and suddenly I was like eight years old all over again. I was That's like, awesome. "Oh my god!" This yeah. I don't so, remember uh, him having the uh, Martin Scorsese eyebrows though. Check him out, man. Oh, like a yeah, fucking unibrow in Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I remember when whenever you saw Chuck in Chuck E. Cheese, he'd always be holding his tail so he wasn't like tripping on. It. The guy in the costume wasn't tripping. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, this was this to me. This is Chuck, like weird child yeah, molester man. vest and like the tie. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. had so many That's birthdays it. at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, you had oh, birthdays man. at Chuck E. Cheese too. Oh, bro, I had so many birthdays. Let me Chuck ask you Cheese, this: honestly. Do they still have the uh, the pit of balls? You know, the little plastic balls that you. I don't think they do that anymore. I don't. Yeah, they don't. It, well, no, that was, no. Yeah, if we had this, I don't know how yours was set up, but when in in New York, the one that was over by our house, like it was like you walked in and it was kind of dark, like a casino. Like they had it set up it like was. a casino. That you lost track of time, but you walked in and there's this huge dining area, and then that's where like they had like the mechanical, like the not the big band that you've seen, like the famous, but like from yeah. the waist up, those guys 
and they were like, oh, hey, yeah. Jack, the jamboree. They do the little, yeah, the little jamboree band. And underneath it, there was like a little maze that kids would like crawl around. I do stuff. remember that. Yes. Yeah. And then like if you went further back, there was the arcade. And then there was like That's a room off to the side that was like the robotic lion that was dressed like Elvis that would sing oh, like Elvis. Oh, yeah. Tune. He scared me. That was me. where my, my father always wanted to sit in that room because he liked the Elvis tunes. That's the best So one. we usually sat in that room. Then like if you go to this this other side, there's like another arcade. Then there's like a little kitty kids arcade. And then there would be a train. And this train went all around oh, the Chuck E. Cheese restaurant. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So th- that's the first place I ever played Tron. Um Ooh. What other games? I, I think I played the. Um, I think I played the first. The first time I played Star Wars Arcade was at a Chuck E. Cheese. Oh. Uh, yeah, man! Like, there's so, so many memories of it. So yeah. it was. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I'm surprised that you still had kind of the same thing, Tess. Because uh, oh, yeah, I, thought, no. I thought they abandoned that like not long after it's I kind timeless. of grew out of it. Oh no, definitely. I had like from eight. The earliest birthday I can remember there was like three or four, but like between the ages of like. Three to ten, I definitely had at least like four birthdays there. Wow, so, damn! Yeah, like some of my some of my earliest pictures of it with me and my family are like are at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and, oh, oh my god, we used to go there all the time. Like I remember, I, I remember me me and Eaters got kicked out though once because we <laughs> got kicked out of a Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, they got his honestly, picture up I, on the wall. Oh, I've got my brothers kicked out of a few places. <laughs> Toys R Us. Like a bunch of different You places. got kicked I, out of a Toys R Us? Damn. Because I was climbing I was climbing those little like little houses on the thing. Yeah, you can't do that. And, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> my, while my brothers were in like the video game section playing video games and some some person who works there just walks up with me and is like, Hey, does this kid belong to you guys? You guys gotta get out of here. You gotta get out of <laughs> here. Yeah. But Chuck, Chuck E. Cheese, there was this game, this soccer game, where uh-huh. like, where at, we, me and my brother were playing it for a long time, and I realized after a while that I could crawl under it. And once I did that, <laughs> I just put, I just kept pushing the the ball and just scoring goals. So it just kept racking up <laughs> and, and just, oh my God. And just oh my God. pouring out tickets to apparently, to eventually it broke the machine and just kept pushing out tickets wow. to where we then caused attention of course yep and, and house always when, wins that's Chuck when Chuck cheese. Cheese staff came. <laughs> the pit boss the chuck e cheese yeah, exactly pit boss like, showed up you, you, you got five minutes to get out of here yeah, exactly yeah, they're like they're, they're like yeah, just, they're like grab what's yours and then come with us and i was like all right as i grabbed like a bunch and like, well i mean hey you know it's just just <laughs> <laughs> is looking at these guys like oh. i'm really good at this game <laughs> nah, what can i say man <laughs> yeah, i'm like beckham <laughs> not really a lot of monetary value to those uh, tickets so, so what did you think when they first came to get you did you think like oh we must have done real good they're gonna take <laughs> it's like Vegas. i get the free it's breakfast like, oh, it's like oh man do we hit the grand prize <laughs> <laughs> they can take care of you it's like swingers they give you the free <laughs> shit Oh yeah. Then I was like, oh man, I should get out of this cage now. Is what I should I like, I like, I like, to imagine, I like to imagine that they took you back into the bag, put you in a cage with a guy who's like shackled up, dressed like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, like, <laughs> Here's the real Chuck E. Cheese. See if you, you can crawl your like, way out of this maze. You had to get out you had to get out he gnaws his way through the rope. That's a, it's like a saw situation. Yes. It's like, yeah, you'll never, you'll never do that again, will you? Like, no, I won't. I won't. I promise. Chucky's hungry. <laughs> Jigsaw, what are you doing here? 
He's got he's got one of those. What is it? The pizza cutters? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. He's just like sawing through the rope with the pizza slicer. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, we've Who done wants some to play here. a game? <laughs> if he gets to you, then your body's put it in like the body of one of those robotic animals. Oh no! It's like Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes. There we go. So you just, I, I thought we came up with this cool idea. just turns out we ripped off Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> they just had it first. That's all. It's still a cool yeah. idea, too. Oh, man. All right. So uh, this is the uh, the editing band of the Next Wave Radio Network. My name is Joe. Mine is Joel. It's Tess. Hey, there you go. And uh, this is where we come to talk about movies. Are we waiting for Tess now? I'm, gonna, I'm showing him the proper respect. Oh, I like that. Listen, Aww. man. You... 20 minutes about how much you like honor Juneteenth and all this stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to disrespect the guy by talking I mean, over you, him while you, he tries to you, listen. Well, you hijacked, his, to talk you hijacked his story, though, man. You didn't let him finish his Juneteenth yeah. story. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, we played Last of Us 2. That's all I got to say. I haven't played it yet. No. I haven't played the second one. Do you intend to? No, or are you... I do. I do intend to. Yeah. Tess, you PlayStation? Yeah, start... Do you have a PlayStation 4? Yeah. Oh, man. I just started the the last God of War game yesterday. Oh, is that awesome? Be- yeah, because I started it over a year ago when it came out, but I, I kept getting my ass beat by the Valkyrie for like a week. So I was like, you know, I'm going to take a break, and I never played it. Never again. got back to it. Yeah. <laughs> until, until now. That's, that, admittedly, that's kind of where I am. I got about three hours into it, and uh, I haven't gone back to it because there's so many good games. Uh, but yeah. Oh, so yeah. Many. yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Tess, what did you think about the end of uh, Fractured But Whole? Oh, oh, you finish it? Oh, I finished all of it. Hilarious. I actually even went back and did all the things, Joe. Joe. Like, you know how we were like, man, fuck that. I'm not going to stick around and get all the extra stuff. But I looked yeah. up like I looked up a guide to get the to get Big Gay Al's uh, cats because I couldn't find them. Yeah, because I couldn't find like two of them. So yeah. it took me a while. It took me a while. But oh, no, it was hilarious. The whole, ga- the whole game. The whole it's game. It's so good. I need it's to play so those. Good. Oh, you, you get know. the, uh, yeah, start with Stick of Truth. Right. Yeah, yes. don't do it like I did. I'll do it in order. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is they're both they're both a blast they're both really fun to play uh they like just when you think a situation is just ridiculous it gets even more oh, yeah. uh, like like oh. it's just you can't believe how much they push the envelope with these games <laughs> well i heard like, uh in the, the first game like the final level you go into mr slave's ass to disarm a bomb <laughs> They oh shrink God. you down, and you go in, and there's, like, the corpses of hamsters and stuff in there. Oh, no. <laughs> and it turns oh into the whole, like, Lemmy Winks adventure yeah. where you meet up with all the animals and stuff. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's well, pretty great. I, I heard that uh, South Park, the, the whole series now, is now on HBO Max, except that there's five episodes that they're holding back that they will, that are too hot even for HBO Max. And, really? Um, Which one? Really? I, I don't know. Uh, too controversial, though, for the channel that has like nudity and violence uh, in every well, show. That, it relies on nudity and violence, at yeah, least yeah. for the first season of every show they put out. Yeah. Oh, by yeah, the way, man. guys, um, I think, what is it? HBO's for free, if you have the HBO app. Uh, you could download the HBO app, and for free, you can watch Watchmen, I think is... Oh, nice. Oh. Is that what's up? Yeah, and I, I absolutely recommend it. It's so good. I but, think I'm going to get yeah, into I'm gonna it I'm going to have now. to figure out... I'm gonna have to figure out which, uh, yeah, which I'm gonna have to figure out which episodes um, they don't they don't have. Sure, we could figure it out. That just seems really ridiculous to hold them back. It seems like that would be something that would be more like of a, well, no, because HBO is owned by Viacom, right? Which is owned by AT and T. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it's the same network. Like John Oliver shits on AT and T almost every week, (laughs) and they still keep him. 
they still keep them on the air. So I wonder what's too hot for HBO. I'm gonna look it up right now. Here we go. Here we go. Here, here are the five episodes. Uh, one is called Super Best Friends. A uh, superhero team made up of religious figures such as Jesus, Buddha, and Moses. Oh, God, yes. Okay, That's I can awesome. see that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean... They also, uh, don't they refer to Allah throughout the whole thing? Yeah, to, yeah, and they try to actually show him and then like, That's, That's what, yes. oh, yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes sense. That was the whole yeah. can't show Allah one. Yep, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, Cartoon Wars Part 1, Cartoon Wars Part 2. Oh, no, those are the best ones. Oh, the, because oh, Mickey man. Mouse. Yep. I bet yep. you're right. And, yep. and, the, and the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh... You work for me now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I could see that. So right? That makes sense so now. And then, uh, yeah, another episode called... This one's just 200 and 201. Those are the names it gives them. But uh, also have to do with uh, with Allah. So I guess... Uh, or oh. Muhammad, apparently. Muhammad, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah it's Muhammad. Yeah, they try cool. to show Muhammad. So. There you go. That's crazy. All right, well, there. Th- thanks for the update. <laughs> you can't show Muhammad or uh, Mickey Mouse. They're yeah. basically in the same. <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty much the same. You've never seen them in the same place. <laughs> that's right. <At> all. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this is where we come to talk about thank movies. You, sometimes good movies, sometimes bad movies. No matter what the case, every week we will watch a movie and then come back here and talk about it with each other and with you, our lovely editing bay listeners. We invite you to take part in the discussion. Go to Facebook.com/slash Editing Bay, uh, or in the uh, the little search bar there on Facebook. Type in the Editing Bay. Find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Yep. Click on that and that's where you could talk that's where you could talk back to us and let us know you think there's a bug in here man joe's being dive bombed by june bugs what is that a bee or something i really wish we could um, stream this live somehow I know, right? the audience needs to see these video feeds go away bug i got two cats they don't chase these bugs around anywhere <laughs> Okay, I don't know what I don't know where it went, but if you see it, let me know. All right. uh, so yeah, uh, let us know what you think about the movie of the week, and if you have suggestions <laughs> for movies for us to watch in the future, go ahead and put your suggestions there. <laughs> this is wheels <laughs> off, man. I can't wait for us to get back in the same hey, room again. Hey, good thing we're uh, recording early tonight, right? This rec- I know, right? Thanks, oh, hey. Tess. Yeah, Thanks, man. Tess. Hey. Thank- <laughs> I do it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Tess, we got to start at 1030, I guess. <laughs> it's early for us. <laughs> I was all excited. I told Sarah, I was like, we were out driving with the kids. I'm like, well, we got to get home a little bit early because we're going to be recording oh, at 830. We get the kids down. Like, I feed the kids. I'm like, sorry, guys, I'm going to be running a little bit late. Got oh, the sweet. kids down. I get on the computer. I got my headphones on. I'm just waiting for that call to oh, come in. Shit. And then suddenly it's like, wait, are we? I thought we were still recording at 10, right? <laughs> like, oh, no, I was thinking about 10. <laughs> well, that's my bad. I wasn't being very clear yesterday when I tried to push it. Uh, so I, I take full responsibility, except you, for the part like, where Tess yeah. waited until the last minute to watch the movie, except I for that part. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was my fault. <laughs> it's okay. I just finished it like an hour ago, so it is it is fresh on my mind, this film. I take responsibility. God, war got too good. I take, <laughs> I take responsibility. Um, okay, so this is Joel's pick. Joel, go ahead, man. It is my Let's, pick, uh, not my original pick, because if you listen to last week's episode, you'll hear us talking about, oh, we're going to do the Truman Show. Good afternoon, yeah. good evening, and good night, right? You know, And then uh, between that time and, and now, uh, we lost yet another actor. Um, first, Fred mm-hmm. Willard, and now um, Ian Holm, uh, Bilbo Baggins yeah. from the Lord of the Rings films, and uh, just a, a, hu- a huge body of work spans like five decades, right? That guy's been around forever. Yeah. You've you've seen him in Alien. Yep. Um, yep. 
He's uh, he's been in some some uh, indie hits like Big Night. If you're familiar with that oh, one, yeah. Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Holm, man, he's been all over the world. And I, I, I can't find my baby. <laughs> um, no, he, he uh, he's been he's been all over the place, and so we were we were anxious to see what Joel was going to pick <laughs> to to honor this man. Well, I was who's, sure. who's given us such a legacy of film. Well, come on, so Joel, tell the people, tell you, the people. What well, you this think. is the editing bay, Joe, right? And we're not going to just get, do all good. Like it would have been the obvious choice to do Lord of the Rings, or even yeah. um, you know, uh, what did you just mention? Let's see, or, 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 or uh, Fifth, Fifth Element. Element. We, we've already done the Fifth Element. Listen, Fifth Element episode. Uh, yeah, I didn't even realize he did a voice in Ratatouille, uh, so I don't think that counts. But this is a movie that's been on the list for a while, and when I saw it had Ian Holm in it, uh, while he is not top build, you know, he's he's like top three, I think. Let me let me tell you though how surprised I am that Mister like I don't want to waste my time watching something if it's not a good movie picked this film. Well, okay, so <laughs> it's no like and believe me, like I am I am delighted when you pick something that's bad, like when you oh, pick man. a movie that isn't like cinema gold. I'm delighted by it, good. but at the same time. Just shocked, like shooken, <laughs> because and I even had to have like a talk with Sarah where I'm like, oh, wow. I just don't get it. Is he does he have a tumor? Is he dying? <laughs> what's, what's going on? <laughs> I have six months to live, and I cannot die without having seen this Roland Emmerich masterpiece. So, <laughs> oh my god, wow! Two words that are never put together. <laughs> well, three, three, three actually. Yeah, Roland Emmerich and masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so yeah, go ahead. So, so this movie's been on the list for a while, um, and uh, it may not necessarily be an Ian Holm tribute. We'll take some time. We'll talk about his body of work and uh, and uh, what a great actor he is, and how he's wasted in this film. But uh, <laughs> I don't always choose good films, Joe, on this podcast. But I like to think that this is a good one for the podcast because it is. Everybody knows this film. It reruns all the time on TV. In fact, last night they were showing it on AMC, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I came in halfway through. I was like, "Oh, maybe I can just watch it now." Uh, but I had and to maybe see the beginning. more appropriately than people would remember. <laughs> like, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that's maybe a little more appropriate for this time right than now. you might you might remember yeah. off the top of your head. Yeah. Also, uh, it keeps in, in tune with our uh, post-apocalyptic uh, theme we've had going the last few months. That so. We gotta keep coming in and out of. Why we not? Keep going back in and out well, of that it's just phase uh, two. Oh, on the editing bay. So it's the um, the day after tomorrow that came out in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. As we said, it's directed oh, oh. by Roland Emmerich, who gave us Independence Day, Independence mm-hmm. Day two, yeah, did. Godzilla, mm-hmm. Universal yeah. Soldier, twenty twelve, White oh, House yeah. Down, and that one, one of my personal favorites, Stargate. I love it. That's Stargate. right. I forgot he did that one. Yeah, he did that one. So like he started good. Like even Universal Soldier is a good <laughs> flick, but like he quickly after Independence Day, and I would even say in Independence Day, oh, wow. <laughs> which isn't one of my favorite movies, but kind of went like quickly downhill. But listen to our Independence Day episode. I can I could tell you that about like okay, well I think he went downhill, but this movie with a budget of one hundred and seventy five million dollars mm-hmm. brought in five hundred and fifty two point six dollars that's just this was a huge success yeah this is this was ridiculous it's when and and then these are the movies that it went up against in 2004 these are the other movies that came out hmm. white chicks oh, <laughs> man 
Mean Girls, The Notebook, The Girl oh. Next Door, Man on Fire, Napoleon Dynamite, Troy, oh. Dodgeball, Scooby-Doo 2, Anchorman, 13 Going on Ooh. 30, 50 First Dates, Van Helsing, mm. uh, The Confederate States of America, which I bring that up because it's something I want to talk about a little bit later. Oh, okay. uh, Harry uh, Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, The Terminal, mm. The Aviator, The Passion of the Christ, iRobot, Million Dollar Baby, Hotel Rwanda, National Treasure, and The Incredibles. Ooh, nice! Oh, Some good films in there. So a solid yeah. year. Yeah, there, yeah, it was. A, it was a solid year for movies. Uh, and this one was like the sixth highest grossing of the year. Yep. And yet I heard and, uh, like, it wasn't even. It didn't even debut at number one. Like that's how big uh, movies were opening that year. Yeah. No, it, it didn't debut at number one, but it stayed in the theaters for whichever. It's just like ponderous yeah. to me. First of all, this movie didn't even get made because you know, two thousand four. We're three years after nine eleven. And here we are, we're seeing New York once again being just like fucking demolished uh, in another fashion. Uh, this time yeah. luckily through floods instead of uh, anything more realistic. So did you did you read anything about that? That like the filmmakers were concerned about uh, showing a movie where New York comes under attack again by the elements yeah. so soon after 9-11? Yes. And that when they showed it in New York, people cheered when the city got rocked <laughs> oh, by that wave of water. I don't yeah. understand. Wow. I don't get it. I don't I, I had no desire to see this film. I thought it was like oh, it's a little too soon, even in 2004. Uh, and plus, yeah. like you said, uh, Roland Emmerich has been trying to recreate Independence Day Ever since that film came out, he even went so far as to remake Independence Day. Independence and Day. They've all just been like former shadows of, of that film, which I really have a soft spot for. Listen to our Independence Day episode. Uh, it's not a great film, but um, I think it does deserve to be rerun ad nauseum, where uh, this film, uh, not, I don't get it. Here's the thing about Roland Emmerich that I recognize um, and can appreciate. Mm-hmm. I think Roland Emmerich, Roland Emmerich isn't out to make like art. I don't think <laughs> no. Roland Emmerich. I don't think Roland Emmerich is even trying to fool himself that what he makes is art. But I think what Roland Emmerich does is he takes a lot of those cheesy sci-fi B movies that he watched as a kid, mm-hmm. and he's making them with huge budgets. Sure. And because you could say what you want about Roland Emmerich movies, even there's even that element of it in Independence Day. I don't know why I have such a weird, violent reaction to Independence Day. <laughs> I don't either. But but there is a, an element of just smooth cheese that like as you're watching sure. it it just it like it feels kind of good while you're watching you're like all right i'm cool with this this makes no sense this has so many plot holes this is so stupid but i'm having kind of a good time watching this and it really and, it makes you f- uh, pump your fist at the end of it man you're like yeah we took down some aliens mm-hmm. ain't nobody coming for yes. us and and for the most part Earth most of his movies are like that most of his movies are like that and this movie has a lot of those elements yeah. but it it kind of peters out near the end. Well, the big problem with this one compared to his others is that, you know, in Independence Day, he's dealing with aliens, like totally implausible. Not necessarily the aliens are implausible, but that's that's not how it's going to go down. Hopefully. Um, yes. You know, Godzilla is a giant monster, right? These are like fantastical things that can happen. This one. But even, he, Godzilla, even Godzilla ends up kind of relying on turning into a Jurassic Park clone final act. Yes. Where they're in Madison Square Garden, and suddenly there's Velociraptor, yes. little tiny Godzillas chasing after them. Oh, he loves um, to uh, find iconic uh, places and locations and just destroy them or show them in a different yes. light. Um, uh-huh. But uh, but this one I, it doesn't land for me because I actually do think he was trying to say something. Like, I, I'm not getting a lot of tongue-in-cheek in the, the heavy-handed message. Like, this is... And, 
and it's it's a bad time. Like, unfortunately, this is the type of shit that people on the right or you know uh, climate denialists um, uh-huh. will point to to be like, oh, see, this is what the left thinks is going to happen. They think within forty eight hours, or the yeah. you know super winter hurricanes are going to descend on North America and we're all going to freeze to death. And so I, I think he kind of did the climate change um, movement a disservice uh, by huh. by putting something out this because I I think people look at this and thought he was trying to be serious but I'm I'm with you I think he's just trying to have a good time uh-huh for the I think he's trying to have a good time but I think that it was misguided in this respect in yes. this movie in this instance it's misguided and we can get into that later um, sure because I know that there's so much that we want to kind of unpack here and we want to talk about Ian Holm. Um, so we'll come back to talking about like what they maybe could have done different that would have stuck to like the tone of what Roland Emmerich does well. Mm -hmm. Um, so Ian Holm, you know, this is our (laughs) tribute episode to him. Uh, and he plays in in true Joel Burnson fashion. (laughs) He picked a movie (laughs) where where the dude who's passed away that we're trying to tribute is in five minutes, at least has three lines of dialogue yes, in this movie. At least he yeah. speaks, whereas <laughs> Irfan Khan had nothing in uh, our Listen to our Darjeeling Limited episode where we honor the great uh, late Irfan Khan. <laughs> Ian plays a, uh, what is he? He's an ocean- oceanographer or ocean- some ocean scientist. Yeah, I wasn't sure on that. He yeah. Did- <laughs> well, I mean, I don't even, I can't even remember like the name of what Dennis Quaid did. Like they had these really complex scientific names. He was yes. like a, a paleo archaeologist yeah. or something like that. But then at one point, Jake Gyllenhaal was like, yeah, mom, my, my dad's a climatologist. <laughs> yeah, paleoclimatologist. He's a paleoclimatologist. There you go. Oh, my gosh. He, just, just call him Just call him a, a, you know, a, a meteorologist or something. No, no, like, he studied keep, it, keep it simple for me because I'm stupid. He studied weather patterns from like a really long time ago. So that's – He's like a weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon to an episode of The it. Editing Bit. I love that that Dennis Quaid's character in this movie is like he's he's notorious in this film for being accidentally right but wrong at the same time yes. and he's he's our hero of this movie yeah. and people keep that turning like, to him for advice what's going to happen next Dennis Quaid like, well, this is going to happen, but it's going to be like 500 years from now. Oh, wait, it's tomorrow? Okay, well, then let's, let's put together a model to find out how long it's going to last. Oh, it's going to last 12, 12 weeks, and it lasted three days. Yeah, three days. <laughs> like, That's was, another was, thing. There's a lot of parallels between this and Independence Day. That's, that is one of them, that the plot takes place in three days, much like uh, Independence uh-huh. Day did. Uh, you yeah. have a, uh, a bunch of characters. There's... If you had to choose a lead, I guess it would be Dennis Quaid. But for the most part, this is like an ensemble piece. Got a lot of different characters. He's the character we open yeah. up on. He's the person. He's the only person that, like, within the course of the movie, actually has like a struggle. Like he he has to to face. But then it's like halfway through the movie, they replace his plot, his struggle, yeah. with his sons, yeah. and yeah. then. Like really? they take his son out of it and come back to Dennis Quaid, who isn't really a hero. He just manages to get one of his guys killed and shows oh, no. up in time. He shows up in time to save his son after everything's kind of cleared up. Yeah, his son was pretty much saved already, though. Like dad didn't really yeah. help. He just kind of showed up. The fire's already burning. 
uh, Emmy Rossum's already healed from uh, toxic shock syndrome uh-huh. or whatever it was that she had. And uh, yeah, not, yeah, not a lot happened. And in fact, this well, whole she had blood poisoning. Bl- that's what it was. Blood poisoning, of course. Gangrene <laughs> is what. <laughs> but yeah, uh, everything that happens in this movie, you know, besides from the uh, the weather uh, events, all all of the things that the characters go through are so like contrived, and they're just it's 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 manufactured drama, like to the what, point what where are you, ta- are you talking about the the fact that the wolves are driving the ship? <laughs> <laughs> When, when fucking the Siberian show. wolves show up at the end of this film <laughs> for no reason them. other than for there to be like a chase scene and they have some danger. When How did they get it? Because I get like there's this whole scene about like I think those guys are like working in the zoo or were they on a ship? Were they on the ship with the animals? They were. And then like because they're looking at the cages, they see the bear and then they're like, the wolves are gone. Huh. And I thought they were in like a wildlife preserve or a zoo or something. Dude, so it, that was like my question was, then how did the wolves get on this ship in the first place? Clever girls. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, they uh, – yeah, this movie does a horrible job of giving you any context of like where you are at, at any point. I had forgotten about the huge oil tanker that rolls in through the streets of New York. First of all, Joe, you grew up near New York. Uh, Tess, I'm not yeah. sure if you've ever been there, but – there yes, is there is no street that is wide enough for any boat of any size to go down, much less a fucking huge oil tanker from Siberia, right? It wouldn't get that far. I mean, you've got um, there. There's a couple of streets. You got uh, oh, not Madison. Is it Madison? That's like four across or, or eight across. So it could Maybe. come down there. New Yorker card. Your New Yorker card. I know I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to revoke it I'm gonna have to revoke it, um, but right there outside of Grand Central, outside of Grand Central, you've got like there's, there's a pretty wide, uh, pretty wide road. Yeah, but that's and, not where they are. They're in yeah, front no. of the library where the Ghostbusters were, which right? they they refused to shoot the statues because they would have had to pay more. Yeah, I guess uh, Ghostbusters really put that library on the map. Now they're fucking charging <laughs> fees to shoot the lion statues out front. Who the fuck do you think you are, New York Library? And in fact, I like I took a picture of those lions when I went uh, the, in, in 2009. I was like, Let me, I want to get some pictures of those lions. Yeah. Uh, nobody charged me money for that. But uh, <laughs> but no, like that. That's so funny to me. This movie that made 556 million dollars is mm-hmm. like. No, we don't want to pay you to get those lions on film. They didn't need it. No, they didn't because they had their CG, which was flawless. <laughs> Dude, there were like a thousand CG artists that worked on this film for like from nine different companies. They worked for over a year to create all yeah. the effects. And I guess, you know, for 2004, not bad. Um, mm. Some are better than others. I got to admit, I do like a few of the shots of New York being flooded. There's a couple of overhead shots where you're seeing the water pouring into the streets, yeah. and you, you kind of get an, an idea for the scale. And you're like, okay, that's kind of cool. But we're living in a world that now has seen Prisoner of Azkaban. That's I true. I mean, just that, that same year, Prisoner of Azkaban yeah. came out, which had some amazing visual effects going on. Absolutely. And like to compare the visual effects in Prisoner of Azkaban to this movie mm-hmm. – the film looks really bad. Like, there's just some bad compositing going on. Oh, yeah. Some bad green screen, uh, bad CG effects. Like, a, a lot of it is just so ugly and rushed. And from what I understand, like, a lot of those special effects were on a uh, kind of a, a, a quick, like, a, a, an abbreviated schedule. Yeah. So they had to kind of 
had to rush some of those effects out. And I think it shows um, for, for me. I think when when the biggest effect that you use is a wave of water hitting buildings mm-hmm. and then also like the weird uh, – I don't, I don't know how the hell to put this. Like it just seemed like – the ice had a mind of its own as it chased Jake Gyllenhaal back in the library. <laughs> so I don't know why they why they decided to make climate. Um, it's almost like in, in Final Destination, like the way that yes. climate is just oh, it's it's coming it in was on you out to get them from the very beginning, where like the plane is flying into the clouds and you see the clouds like enveloping the plane and the lightning strikes and yeah. So the way that the uh, the, the water creeping up on them and and the ice, which I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. In fact, I think it was funny. I read somewhere that um, they invited NASA, the makers of the film, invited I, NASA yes, to be too. consultants on uh, on this film to to make sure the science checked out. And uh, NASA took a look at the script. And like, no, we can't even we can't endorse this. Not only that, nobody can talk about it. <laughs> like, it's so unrealistic yes. that even us having our names anywhere in the credits is a, a disservice to all involved. So, thanks, well, they, but no thanks. They also invited a bunch of geoscientists yes. to come see them, and they all laughed at it, and because they wanted to, to gauge the, the science of the film, and they all laughed. They were they were all shaking their heads, like, no. But well, yeah, no. The NASA, the NASA official stance from NASA was something like this is so implausible and could never happen, yes. and we refuse your <laughs> yes, we, we refuse your invitation. <laughs> but I, I do love how they, they almost kind of personify, uh, you know, the weather uh, and and really make it feel like a, like an evil presence that's that's coming to get us all. And and throughout the course of this film, this two hour film, we've got. Let me get this straight. So we've got hurricanes, right? Big, big ice, uh-huh. uh, freezing hurricanes. We've got tornadoes. Yes. There's large hailstones. Yes, there's basketball-sized the hail that takes down Tokyo. Uh, there's flooding, and then and then they even talk about earthquakes. There's earthquakes too. So we're getting it from all sides in, uh, yeah. in this film. Yes, you are. Uh, not only that, but you also get that weird like you're now in the of uh, the hurricane. You're in the eye of the storm, which supposedly just automatically freezes everything yes. that's in the light. Like it's, I can't remember what the science was behind that, where it's like you're in the eye of it, and if the sun and the cooling and everything, if, you, if you're hit by the sun, you're going to freeze immediately. And I'm like, what? Is there not enough shit working against these people? There's <laughs> there's so much. There, it's almost like if you were watching the movie The Poseidon Adventure, mm-hmm. and like you're already in a, in a capsized ship that's sinking, and there's also stuff that's on fire, and it's like suddenly you you release an army of like uh, of chainsaw beavers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, was that chainsaw beavers? There are chainsaw beavers in the boat, like and it. they're hungry for human flesh. So you got to. It's like you've got enough. There's enough happening. That'll be. I don't think we need. We don't need chainsaw beavers. That'll be in the sequel. The day after the day after tomorrow. <laughs> the day after the day after tomorrow. Next Friday. Uh, <laughs> which <laughs> starring Ice Cube. <laughs> well, his, hey, his name is Ice Cube. Come on. <laughs> oh my, oh my god. god. Oh my god. I'm gonna get you high because today's Friday. You ain't got a job. Ain't got no- <laughs> you ain't got shit to do. Ain't got no climate. 
<laughs> so so let's let's uh let's scoot back to, to okay. talking about Ian Holm. Uh yes, yes. and and we could talk about all the actors in this film, but talking about Ian Holm, who seems to be kind of in this movie as a novelty. <laughs> This this role is completely beneath him, especially at this point in his career. Of course, even in two thousand four, like, did they start? When did the first Lord of the Rings movie come out? Like two thousand one. Two thousand one. Yeah. So, this guy. I mean, this guy's obviously kind of like cashing in on his his reclaimed fame, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like, hey, I don't know if this could come back around, so I better take these jobs and get this paycheck. But this role seems so beneath him that he he's he's got. I think three scenes. He's in the first scene where he meets up with Dennis Quaid mm-hmm. and like Dennis Quaid gets like laughed off. He 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 just returned from the Arctic where the the shelf, the ice shelf is crashing apart or whatever and he gets into it with the uh, the vice president mm-hmm. and he sees Ian Holm and Ian Holm's like, "I think you have so you're on to something. Let's have a drink." Okay. Yeah. Then we don't see them have a drink. We don't see them have a conversation. They just walk away. And then the next thing we see is he's calling Ian home. He's like, hey, what's going on? What's it? Well, these are our readings and blah, 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 blah. Can you help us put together a, a model? Sure. Then we cut back to him one last time, and it's him and his crew, and they're like, well, we're running out of gas. We're going to uh, die soon. Yeah. And he's like, I wonder if we can use this. That's a 12-year-old scotch. And they drink it, and they're dead. <laughs> they, they just yeah. <laughs> they die. They die in in unglorious, like just just such a horrible, like unceremonious way to like to exit his character from the movie. Like how disrespectful. Uh, well, but that's what he he chose. He but, he accepted the job. But not just him, man. Like this film is beneath uh, Ian Holm. The role is beneath Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Emmy Rossum. Uh, but not you, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid is the only one who kind of fits oh, in wow. here because oh, wow. uh, oh. he is not great. Uh, and uh, whoa, de- yeah, what? no, Dennis Quaid. What's the best thing Dennis Quaid has done? And don't say G.I. Joe, Inner Space, yes, a movie that came out 40 years and ago now, right? He was really good as Doc Holliday in that Wyatt Earp movie. Oh, that's true, yeah, he's, he's fine in there, but I mean, Westerns, um, Frequency, where he played the Aaron. father. Okay, the you know what? That movie? I think you got me there. I think Frequency is probably my favorite Dennis Quaid role, but this yeah, one, it's Fre- like Frequency is really good. Did you ever see that, Tess? No, but I saw the parent trap. Oh, okay, no. Frequency. <laughs> Frequency is about this kid. So it's this guy. It's um, uh, uh, Jim Caviezel mm. plays this guy. He's a, a New York cop or whatever. And his uh, his you know his father was killed in a fire like when he was a kid. Uh, and so oh, wow. one night he pulls out his dad's old ham radio and he starts talking on it. And this voice starts talking back and it turns out he's talking to his father in the past. And he starts like warning his dad. He's like, dad, don't go to that fire. You know, you're going to, you know, whatever you do, don't go in that door. You thought it was going to be safe. Don't go that way. You know, just try to find another way or at least just don't go. And he ends up saving his dad's life. But because he does that, his wife doesn't come to the hospital to ID the body anymore. She's still working at a hospital where she becomes like the target of a serial killer. And so like he saves his dad. But his mom, he finds out like his mom hasn't been around and he starts like his head starts getting new memories. And he's like, Dad, something happened to mom. Like she's not around anymore. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? She's right here. He's like, no, Dad, you got to stick around. You got to like stay with her, protect her. And so this whole thing where like now they have to save his mom's life. Mm -hmm. And but 
because they do that, like it puts everybody in danger. And it's like they're solving this murder in two different time frames. It's oh, so good. Yeah, it's it's really some clever. great science fiction. Does yeah. To, oh man, I gotta watch that. But I was about to ask, does he have to just kill his dad at the end? No. That <laughs> no. Like, it's like that's what it's, always happens in movies like this. It's, it's like, like Looper. <laughs> it's it's too late at that point. He'd already saved his dad. So it's not oh. like his his dad can get on the ham radio and talk to pass oh, yeah, him him it's a good movie I, I really i suggest you check it out but yeah i mean to answer your question I, there's plenty of stuff that dennis quaid's right. done that i've enjoyed he's just always but... kind of like there like i don't really think of leading man material I, I, I like him he's good enough but uh he he can't carry this film and uh, i can't think of i can't help but think of any number of other actors uh who it would have been better in that role. We'll get to that well, later. Luckily, Stick around for our recap. We do, we do stuff like that in this in this podcast. Now, I I, yeah, I disagree. I liked Dennis Quaid in this movie. No, if anything, I thought that Dennis Quaid probably should have had more of the focus instead of having it split so much. This movie honestly should have been that you know this he he's the scientist he sees the climate change coming his son is on a field trip like we can keep all that and his son is like you know he knows the stuff from his dad to kind of help everybody survive he doesn't have his he doesn't have to have his weird adventure where he jumps on the boat to try to get some medicine the the deus ex machina boat that has everything he needs to save the girl he likes like we don't really (laughs) need that we could just see him being like the smart kid that like knows the survival skills to keep everybody alive. Meanwhile, this movie should have been Dennis Quaid's trek from Washington DC to New York and like the different like obstacles he has to overcome to get there. Like the, like they could have really come up with some fun adventures. Like what? Like the revenue, like the like Leonardo DiCaprio's movie where he's going through the woods. Yeah, he's raped yeah. by a bear. Hey, you're raped by the bear. <laughs> it's, a, it's a polar bear this time. The polar bear in this one with a coke bottle <laughs> and a red scarf. <laughs> Uh, so, no. so no, but it could have been like the like we we could have seen some more of like no, the uh, like the landmarks as he's making his way from D.C. across Philadelphia like to New York. Instead of just instead of just him walking and seeing the Statue of Liberty in some boats, like we could see like some of the other landmarks. Maybe there's some other survivors, and so it's kind of like a almost like a dirty dozen in this frozen tundra where like he finds some other survivors, he loses some people and then like they finally make their way. Like, and they, they actually are like a force for like helping Jake Gyllenhaal and his, his class get out of the library. Like they, he's an effective hero because at the end, Mm Dennis Quaid doesn't really save anybody. No. Ex- except for his, his yeah, young assistant, yeah. who he he doesn't really save because he throws him down a, an air vent. Could you and I'm glad they address it, but yeah. like he's like, oh no, the eye of the hurricane, it's opening up, we're gonna freeze. He just throws right, him. Like, dude lands on his head. And he seems kind of pissed about it when he finally comes to. He's like, sorry, I had to do it. (laughs) So, but that's what, like, that's what would have, like, that would have improved this movie. And it would have been in line with Roland Emmerich and how he makes, like, big budget cheesy B-movies. Like, this this weird, like, the Frozen adventure where, you know, Dennis Quaid has to save his son, and it's kind of like this weird, you know, bad version of the Odyssey or something. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. There, there are so many other things that you could have really, you could have really keyed into the adventure aspect of what was going on with this, with this 
apocalyptic backdrop. No, you're right. And honestly, that would have helped out with like the relationship a little bit between him. Because at the beginning, they acted like they were gonna. They went into the relationship between Dennis Quaid and and um Jake Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. but they also were. They took that detour to be like, all right, he has to now talk to the vice president, which they're not believing him about whatever's happening. And it went from five hundred years to two days, and now <laughs> that turned from all right, you're not really gonna save the world, which, but you're just now gonna trek to New York and go get your son. Like they switched what the movie kind of felt yeah. like it was going to be about so many times going through that. Right. And and honestly, in that moment where his boss shows up and he's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to get my son. He's like, okay, but I need you to do one thing. I need you to address, you know, the committee or whatever. And he's like, well, I've already tried talking. To them. Well, this time you'll be addressing the president. Honestly, I think the thing that would have been more powerful at that moment is for Dennis Quaid to be like, fuck the president. They had their chance. I'm going to save yeah. my son. Like something like that, like something that's a real character defining, like, and I get, they were trying to have their cake and eat it too, where it's like, well, Dennis Quaid, you know, sure. Time is of the essence. He needs to save his son. But let me stop down and talk to yeah. the president. Like, I just kind of feel like, no, well, that, no. This is where you have like your young assistant Jason like takes over at that point, and you go on your adventure. Yeah. That was the uh, the movie's agenda showing. You know, <laughs> yeah. they they, uh, they had to uh, dress down uh, the 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 proxies for all the politicians that are that are climate deniers. Dick Cheney. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, the Dick Cheney's of the world. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That vice president uh, who uh, ends up kind of having a. Uh, eat his own words at the end, which, yeah. by the way, that's oh, not how that works. By the way, uh, we've seen no. that play out. But uh, no. yeah, it's it's it, it's such a like fantasy that like oh this is a, it's a big I told you so like oh look see all this shit came now don't you feel bad we have to see the president gotcha. you have a have a a press a conference at the end yeah, yeah exactly where it's like if if it weren't for the mistakes that we made we could have made something no come on man. So it's not only that, it's like he has to eat crow because mm-hmm. of not believing the scientists. Then there's also like, you know, also the, the kissing up to like the third world. We are now a third world country or something yeah, like that. That's like, right. They had to, it was like reverse immigration. They had to uh, go. To, we had to go to Mexico because it's closer to the equator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you hear? Did you hear the stuff that they said in this movie? Though they're like they were trying to like explain away why Mexico would let us in. It's like the U.S. had to agree to uh, to eliminate all debts from Latin America. Yeah. Oh, like, Bro, if I was the president of Mexico, I'd be like, yeah, okay, what? you're forgiving my debt. Now, what else am I getting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else? Hey, because hey, you know remember what? that wall you wanted to build? <laughs> if if we don't let you in, guess what? Our debts erased anyway. <laughs> yeah, so why, why should we let that's you a good in? Good point. <laughs> Not a lot of incentive. And, and the whole like that, that that whole moment where they show all the the Americans going across the Rio Grande to get into oh, Mexico, uh, it uh, felt a little. At least now in 2020, it feels really tone deaf. Yes. It feels very tone deaf. Like almost like they were like like they're making light. In, and I know they weren't, but it felt like they were making light yeah. of like of of Mexican citizens trying to get across the Rio Grande to get here. Yeah. And now that we've had stories of like parents and their children dying yeah. trying yeah. to cross that river, mm-hmm. it's not it's not entertaining. No. It's not but it's but not whimsical to me to see people that, doing that. That is this movie in a nutshell. It's trying yeah. to it, it's I think it's unintentionally funny. And so while this is a bad movie, it's got like a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 50% with audiences, so I have no idea how it made so much money and how it's always run on cable when nobody seems to like this fucking movie. But, uh, <laughs> but it, is, it is 
partially an enjoyable watch, and there's some enjoyment to be derived from how silly it is. But any any serious message, any any um, thought provoking themes that were trying to be introduced in this film totally fall by the wayside when you've got uh, Siberian huskies that are chasing down <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal uh, in, a the, in a fucking oil tanker. <laughs> <laughs> and that that whole moment where he has to like let the dogs chase him so he can lock them in a room yeah, and then like go save his I'm like bro they're they're wolves. They're do- like, you can take them. Like, if you just get you some weapons or something, yes. just you can take these dogs. You might have to put your arm out and let them like bite it real quick, and then you know, shiv them. Shiv a couple them. Times. I'm, I'm not promoting murder of animals, but I'm hey, saying man, if you got your technique down. If you- <laughs> so, Look, uh, I, did a, I did a little time. I did a little time. I'm saying, uh. I've seen blood in, blood out. (laughs) That scene where they open up the cell doors and that guy walks up and he's just. (laughs) And then he throws him over the railing. Oh, man. But not only so not only is this film like silly and its themes and its execution, but uh, as you uh, alluded to, Joe, the dialogue, the dialogue is especially bad. Uh, and like things that you see in like made for TV, like sci-fi, like this movie is like one step removed from like a Sharknado. Like, and in fact, I, uh-huh. I think maybe Sharknado may have been inspired by this film. I think the the point of this movie, if this movie was supposed to be fun, it gets lost in the idea that it's trying to give you a message instead, yep. and it's trying to hit you over the head with it just a little too hard. It's one of the. It's one of those movies that tried too hard that ended up being very goofier than they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it didn't it didn't age well over the years. I Mm-mm. the first time I saw it, I remember seeing it in school and like you guys I remember they showed you I this in school like, like history class. They show they sh- I don't remember what class it was, but I remember seeing this shit in school wow. and being like like what is this movie and i i didn't enjoy it back then so we had to watch it for this i was like well you know what i haven't seen it in 16 plus years i guess apparently damn so yeah you know what let's see how this goes but i knew i <laughs> would see how this goes. <laughs> what, what did you i mean it had, it had good it had good enjoyable parts and i mean i love i jake gyllenhaal i like him but i also love um uh, Emmy, uh, yeah, Emmy Rossum. Emmy Rossum. Emmy Rossum. Oh, yeah, like, I love her from uh, from Shameless. So, She's and adorable. I didn't know she was the love interest in this movie until watching. It. I was like, oh yeah, man. I mean, I'm love it. interest. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think she she's not so much a love interest. She's more just like a damsel in distress. She's there. She's there to be in danger. And and I hate when people when they write Mm -hmm. characters like that when there's nothing else to her and they try to they try to. It's very superficial the way they try to make her seem like she has depth. Well, she's part of the academic decathlon. She's smart. She's obviously smart, but we never really see her being smart. Like she is just there to kind of like titillate and mm-hmm. and be a motivating factor for our protagonist's son to kind no, of do right. something right yeah she wasn't too right. smart when she was trying to save that uh, little girl from the back of that cab okay so she, I, yeah. she she <laughs> saves she saves the kids she saved the purse she wasn't very oh, yeah, smart it wasn't even the girl 
<laughs> but before she even does that, she apparently like everybody, all the, the three guys and her, like they're trying to get to the library mm -hmm. and they climb over those cabs and her foot slips and she like gashes the shit <laughs> out of her leg. She, on, on what? I couldn't even tell. Guys, what... look, I don't know. I don't know. Part of the car. So here's, yeah. here's the thing. I get a paper cut, and you're going to know about it. Exactly. I am going to tell people, damn, I got this fucking paper cut. Oh, this hurts. I stubbed my oh, toe. Yeah. It feels like my foot's been amputated. Yeah. You got some ointment? Can someone give me some ointment? She gets <laughs> oh, let me the know. shit out of her leg and doesn't tell anybody. It is running on it. To the point where, like, the girl that she'd been hanging out with is like, oh, yeah, she said she cut her leg a few days ago. I'm like, what? Why would that not be the first? Like, like, why didn't she like pull someone aside? Yeah. And be like, look, I don't know if this is gonna be bad, but I kind of cut my leg, and they could have like played it off like, ooh, that might. I don't think we have anything for that. Let's try to wrap that, but I don't think yeah. there's anything for that way. It didn't have to be some stupid secret because you've got this character in Jake Gyllenhaal who's supposed to be the smartest kid in the room. Yeah. In fact, they, they 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 waste no time trying to set him up as that character, and I don't know if that's deliberate. If it was deliberate, what you were going for didn't work because seeing him be surprised, like, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, that she's got a cut. Well, yeah. I would have known that had I known she had that <laughs> cut. I would have known what was going on because he seems to know everything. It's almost like they cut to it's like he and Dennis Quaid share a brain because there'll be a scene with Dennis Quaid. And he's like, oh, no, this thing is happening, which means it's this. And then immediately they cut to Jake Gyllenhaal, who because of some circumstance where he is, is realizing the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we don't have to make the parallels quite so obvious. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like on the nose. Like you could have them realize something earlier in the movie. Right. And then Jake Gyllenhaal has to face something like it later. <laughs> you don't have to do it <laughs> It's like E.T. Like, and Elliot. Like they're synced uh, exactly. up. Yeah. Well, so uh, there's there's a couple of scenes where uh, we, we realize he's not as smart as he could be. But before I get to Emmy Rossum, uh, maybe she was kind of playing that whole I've injured my leg uh, close to the vest because uh, she'd seen the movie alive and didn't want to be the first one to be eaten. So uh, I could I could understand that motivation potentially. <laughs> she didn't want to be eaten. But also, uh, so we get to the scene. They would have eaten that dog first. Yeah. That, oh, I thought I was afraid yeah, they were going to yeah. eat that dog that the homeless guy brings in. Yeah. Was there a point to no. the homeless guy that I missed? Because Dude, usually they keep a character like that around because he ends up having some kind of expertise or knowledge about something right. yeah. that helps the group or his dog would have helped them like sniff out a place mm -hmm. in the, in, you know, in, in the library. It's like, Oh, there's this hidden place that we can get. The dog found it. He could have cool. fought those wolves. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, <he> <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it was comedic relief. That's all he was. Yeah. In. That's all he was there. Yeah. For. He was yeah, half of the it characters in this funny. film. Half of the characters in this film didn't need to be there. He stole a bag of yeah. hot dogs, Joe. That was funny as shit. <laughs> it's hilarious. That was funny as shit. But, but going back to uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and how maybe... It's a public library. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to Jake Gyllenhaal and, and maybe how not smart he is, um, there's that scene where he, he's got to call his dad, right? There's got oh to be a payphone somewhere in this library. So he and Emmy Rossum descend down into the basement, right? The water's already rising. It's like a, a scene from out of Titanic, right? Water keeps rising. He's on the payphone, and he's talking to, I think, both his mom and his dad, right? And yeah, yet, yeah. for some reason, chooses now to, like, clam up and not being able to... Uh, uh, just communicate what what is happening in this room. They're yelling at him. He's, 
<laughs> yeah. and, and meanwhile, Dennis Quaid and Silla Ward are like, are you okay? What's happening? What's going on? His mouth is above water. Like, he's holding the phone. Like, if yeah. you're Jake Gyllenhaal, just be like, hey, guys, I don't have a lot of time. The water is quickly rising in here. Here's where we are. Here's what's going on. I'm with a group of people. Come find us again. To repeat. Why was he, why was he sinking? You have no buoyancy like your buoyancy in the water he all he had to do is hold on to the payphone just stand up. up just stay in up. the water just wait it's not Yo, like the payphone was was Put your feet down. <laughs> i mean the payphone is like normal human height you know it wasn't like attached to the ceiling like if you can stand up and talk on that payphone you could stand up and okay two other questions regarding this why did it take his ass so long to swim back to Emmy Rossum? I know. Because he wasn't that far from her. No, he's like six <laughs> feet from her. <laughs> six feet. Like, and it takes him so long. I'm like, so why? Again, why are you so bad? Manufactured also, drama. Are you telling me that there is no other landline phone in the New York Public Library that they could have used? <laughs> Because he's like, he's like, pay phones get their power from the phone lines. I'm like, well, so do landline phones. Yes. <laughs> if you find, a, if you works. just find a, if you just find a landline phone, there's got to be a plenty of them in this library. Uh, I'm sure you could find them. There have to be offices, you know, places yeah. where they've set up phone access. My question about that scene though was the fact that like he he she didn't jump in to try and save him at all after he had just tried to save her I know like twice before it's like you better dive in there and you know try try to pull his ass out of she's there. not even holding the flashlight right no she she wasn't even all the way in the water she was like oh my god my jacket I can't get this way <laughs> yes, it's I don't tweed. know what was going on with her okay so she was still partially in the water though <sighs> and meanwhile Jake Gyllenhaal shivered his and she's like, "Are you okay? Are you good? Like, like you're still in the water too. You should probably be acting like you're cold." <laughs> nope. Well, Joe, it's not the first time uh, that physics uh, and the way that uh, cl- climate and uh, temperature changes work in this film uh, maybe doesn't. Maybe the science doesn't check out. Uh, I like how um, Dennis <laughs> Quaid. Dennis Quaid and his buddy are trekking through the snow. You know, they're coming across bo- dead bodies that have been frozen. You know, to death. Um, uh-huh. the, uh, presumably in sub-zero degree temperatures, but uh, you know if you just uh, erect a tent, you know, with a, a <laughs> like point one millimeter worth what? of fabric between you and the outside, you could just build a fire inside that tent, and you could just take your jacket off and like leisurely lay. So comfortable. He's like he's like fucking Jeff Goldblum at the end of Jurassic Park, just like laying on his side with his shirt open. Like they're not shivering. I know. They're, they're not. They're not huddled they're together like, for warmth. And like the dude's like, dude's like, so what's gonna happen to us? And he's like, us. Like they're having this total casual conversation. <laughs> like, I'm like, bro, it's still pretty cold out there. Yes, Why are you not, not how, wearing your jacket? That's not how barriers work. Also, like th- that scene at the end where the frost is like, you know, final destinationing coming towards them as they're running down the hall. Um, all they all they have to do is run into a room and close a door, and the door uh-huh. will freeze over. But it t- stays toasty warm inside the rest of that room. Yeah, because that's the room where the fire is. The fire is with the, if it's freezing the door and the surround, like, there can't, no, doors I'd don't bro- work that way. No, they don't. Not, nothing in this movie works the way that it's supposed to. <laughs> also, it was a little, uh, a little uh, odd and uh, disturbing. <laughs> a little? Is it a little odd? Tell me. <laughs> well, just the, uh, the, the image of a bunch of teenagers, like, 
throwing books into a fire and being like, burn more books. We have to burn more books. Like, I got a very Fahrenheit 451 feel from that and scene. That's, that's, why, that's why we had that one character who's yeah. like, you can't burn this. This is Nietzsche. Yeah. Or you can't burn this. This is a Bible. This is this Bible. Yeah. You can't burn this. And it's, like, it's like he was in the I, Book of Eli or something. Yeah, again. <laughs> like, it was again, North Book of Eli episode. I, like, another character that I'm like, oh, you're here because eventually you're going to serve a purpose. And he doesn't. No, like there, there's no, no nobody does. Sir, did they ever, did they ever find that one dude's little brother? You know how they're like, did you get a hold of your little brother? <laughs> I totally forgot about him. Guess what? Movie did too. <laughs> well, apparently there's a lot of uh, stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. A lot of scenes, a lot of extra. If if you didn't think this movie had enough characters, there were more characters that were in this film and more subplots oh, that they had that- to cut out. There was that one guy who like gets up and he goes and drives out into the city and like he's telling the people that are like taking pictures. He's like, "Get out of here! You can't be here! Get out of here!" Wasn't there supposed to be more with him? There too? was something with him. There was something with the uh, the, the guy in Tokyo when the basketball size hail comes down. The one who gets yeah. like uh, the uh, the hail to the head. Uh, he apparently had a subplot with those three like business those douchey yeah, businessmen. The dude from Suits. The, yeah. yeah, the guy from oh, Suits. Yeah, Lewis Lit. They, yeah. Yes, the guy who gets on the bus and then the bus ends up getting washed away and flipped over and they all presumably die. And then crushed by the boat. That's yeah. right. There was that's a stop. Oh, it is, oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The boat lands on it. Uh, but there was a whole subplot with them. Like apparently they were doing some like illegal transactions with that Japanese business guy, and so they all deserve to die. We just don't get any of that. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, in the yeah. director's cut, presumably. Yeah, yeah. It's uh. I can't wait! Can't wait to see the director's <laughs> Oh man, um, what 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 other notes do we have here? I, you know, I guess the thing you don't want to leave an audience with with a movie like this, mm-hmm. and this falls back onto your theory, Joel, that they they were trying to make a statement yeah. instead of make make an entertaining film. When you end the movie with like, well, we're just in another ice age now. <laughs> <laughs> We are just like we're in an ice age. <laughs> it was it was weird that they tried Nobody to make in a movie like that. Well, and that's the thing. It was weird that they tried to make like a happy ending out of this. Like the 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 one guy comes up to the president. He's like, "Hey, Jack made it to New York. They're survivors." And everyone's like, "Oh, great! We saved the day." No, no. There's still millions of people who did not survive. Like this is a global catastrophe. There's no time for celebration. No. It's like, what are we, and what are we celebrating? Yeah, what's the plan moving forward? I don't think Mexico is going to let us stay here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how hot is it going to stay in Mexico? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, if you, I don't know, man, because they show it from the astronauts' point of view. You know, throughout the movie, we keep cutting to those astronauts in the ISS, <laughs> so we can see a bird's oh, yeah. eye view of where the uh, super hurricane frozen storms are. <laughs> and they show like North America, and it's all completely white. And then somewhere around Texas and Florida, it just goes back to green and brown. It's like, oh, well, I guess. Did you guys think there's a scene where like we there's a scene where we cut back to like outer space Mm -hmm. and we see the space station and it looks like did you think for a second it was going to hurtle down into Earth? I mean, <laughs> like, from the director of Independence Day, yes, anything is possible. Thing. I honestly thought the International Space Station was somehow, because of the weather thing going on on Earth, that it was going to get pulled down to Sucked Earth. In magnetic poles reverse or something. And, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was like, I mean, is this going 
exactly happened. Honestly, I was relieved when it didn't. I was relieved. But honestly, that's the only thing this film was missing as far as uh, global catastrophes go. Like an asteroid should have just come wipe us out at the end. <laughs> just wipe it, it, did out. Every, it did everything else. <laughs> You're right. It did everything else. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So would you... <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Ask it. Yeah. Magic would, you, would you recommend this movie? Oh, man. Um... You know, no, no, I can't. There's, <laughs> there is, I, I can see why it's rerun. Um, I guess it's 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 not a great hole, but there's if you're into these kind of disaster films where you, hey, what would it look like if if New York froze over? What would it look like if a tornado, you know, um, pulled the Hollywood sign off of uh, you know the side of the hill in L.A. Then yeah. I guess this movie's for you. I don't really get off on that stuff, and I haven't since. Yeah. Uh, really, Armageddon. Like I, I like those. I like Armageddon. I like Deep Impact. I like all those movies. But when nine yeah. eleven hit, shit got a little real, and it's like, okay, we've seen this stuff in real life now. I don't need to imagine what well, it looks it, like. Here's the thing about like Armageddon. Armageddon ultimately pays off at the end. Though. Yes, we save you know, the world. You have, yeah. Save the world. Like it's this. <clears throat> you have this threat, this global threat, and Bruce Willis and his ragtag team of drillers mm-hmm. yeah. go up there and ultimately save the world. And meanwhile, you yeah, eye does. candy going on while the movie's happening. You know, like I'll, I'll be the first to admit, it takes a long time for them to get to where they're going, but it's it's a satisfying run. By you get by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, cool. I feel pumped. Like this is great. That's what movies yeah. like that are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't do it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and say that I also would not recommend this film <laughs> of course. just for a couple of reasons in the realm of disaster movies. It's not a fun watch. No. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think like even Roland Emmerich's 2012 isn't very fun when you raise the stakes too high you're like oh i'm gonna do stuff you've never seen i'm gonna i'm ending the world i'm gonna throw this at you i'm gonna throw this at you you know everything's gonna shake the world's gonna shake and there's gonna be earthquakes and you've got to drive your limousine down this runway to try to avoid (laughs) the earthquake like there 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 gets to the point where it's like the world has been destroyed what are we fighting to live for what are we fighting to save i think that something like independence day is in his wheelhouse. Something like, um, uh, like Godzilla, Godzilla, yeah, is is in because it's this outside force. It can ultimately be defeated or contained, leaving us room for a happy ending. B movies need to have something like mm-hmm. that. Something that you're someone that you're cheering for, and an ending that you can kind of pump your fist at by the end of it and feel mm-hmm. kind of good about the two hours you spent watching it. Agreed. And this movie does not have it. Tess, what do you think? Not at all. So that could be all three of us saying a big no to this, <laughs> this movie. No, I would not recommend this at all. Because for me, for me, it's what I would think of when they, you know, they would say they used to play those propaganda movies back in the day. That's uh-huh. what this kind of makes you uh, think of because the message of climate, of climate uh, change and global warming and mm-hmm. everything is so heavy handed in this that it does just make you look at everything else in just a goofy light and a goofy way. So, no, it, it, I couldn't recommend it, but. It was one of the, it was the first movie of its kind that I personally remember seeing. Like I don't know, you guys probably have seen like more movies in this realm, but like yeah. it was the first one, and then it kind of kicked off a bunch of like different ones yeah. that did did this way better. Mm-hmm. So nah, okay. Um, just kind of on that same note, I just feel like 
I feel like Roland Emmerich painted himself in a corner with this when he tried to make his two main characters the smartest guys in the world. Uh, so they're making these predictions and they're predicting like this thing's going to happen. It's creating a new ice age and it's something we're going to be stuck with. When you do that, you now have to stick to that. You have to stick to that science. You have to stick to that promise basically that the characters are making instead of just making Dennis Quaid, like just, you know, kind of a, he he's a scientist, but maybe this isn't his like his field of expertise. So we don't have to shackle ourselves to this is going to end up being a new ice age for for humanity. It could just be like, man, this is some weird weather phenomenon, and we just need to wait. We need to survive it. We need to get through this. We need to find our sun. and that should have been the main focus. Like, yeah. there's a weird weather phenomenon. We need to find our. And in the course of it, we save some other people and we have this weird, like grand trippy adventure until, you know, up to that point. And then we finally save him and then we get out of here. And then, you know, maybe like we in, in a couple of days, everything kind of returns to normal. Oh, man, if you want to have a little bit of your message of global warming or something, you could throw that in there. But to shackle yourselves to, well, it's going to end like this where it's a second ice age. It kind of leaves you feeling hopeless. Yeah, it's not a it's not a feel good. Yeah, it's not what you want to leave your audience with with a popcorn disaster film. So, what did this movie, with that in mind, what did this movie do right? <sighs> I mean, some of the effects aren't that bad. Like I said, some of the imagery I appreciate. I I like. I imagine that some storyboard artists had some good ideas and and uh, gave the CG artists something to animate. Uh, so yeah, what would it look like if a giant flood came down, uh, New York, you know, what would it look like if a uh, giant basketball sized hail fell from the sky? Uh, yeah. Some of that stuff will stick with me, but none of the characters do, uh, if I can jump to what it did wrong, but well, I'll say yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I actually, I actually chose uh Jake Gyllenhaal is what I, yeah? is what I think. I liked his character in this movie. I know, I know we, we were talking about it beforehand, how Dennis Quaid is definitely the hero, but I mean, throughout the movie goes along, it's a lot. You see a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal and, and yeah. I liked, I liked what he was doing, even though it was a lot of goofy stuff happening in a bunch of the different scenes. So Jake Gyllenhaal actually manages to save more people than Dennis Quaid does. Yes. Exactly. That's why I was like, he's the hero of the show. He doesn't get That's anybody killed. The movie. <laughs> We're like, they're, they're like 20 minutes into their walk from D.C. Oh, to New York, and Dennis Quaid Frank gets his died. oldest friend killed, old Frank. <laughs> yes, I know. Poor guy. Frank, I, Frank, I can save you. <laughs> to be <laughs> fair, you know, Frank you let know, himself can. go. He died for the greater good. Joe, what about you? You know, I... I uh... <laughs> I feel like the cast, this movie yeah. had a, a good cast and it's a shame to see them wasted, uh, but it's a good cast. And the thing is, not just our main players like Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid, but even the two guys that played Dennis Quaid's assistants, like those guys are fun and they have a great dynamic. In fact, there's this one part where you see that woman who's asking like, well, how long have you been working with Jack? And like the young guy keeps poking his head out. Like He's she's funny. clearly talking to Frank, but then like Jason pops in and starts yeah. like answering the questions. And I'm like, this is a good dynamic. This is a good chemistry that these characters have. And I wish we could have experienced more of that. So that way, when we do ultimately lose Frank, it's like, wow, that sucks. Like these guys, and we could have 
seen more of it from Jason. Like, even though he gives Frank shit, like we finally see like, oh no, like this loss really rocks him. Instead, it doesn't really do that. No. He cuts his hand on some glass, but we never return to that. Why doesn't he get blood poisoning from being out in the yeah. cold with his hand? Good point. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, it's it's <laughs> something, a science that we set up, but we don't stick to it for everybody. Um, but I just, I love the cast of this movie and I wish that they would have had better material to play with. Um, and that's, yeah, that's that's what it did right. What did this movie do wrong? Well, the cast may have been good, Joe, but none of the characters are any three-dimensional. But I, I, I don't remember any of their names. I think Dennis Quaid was Jack. And I think maybe Jake Gyllenhaal was Sam, but besides yep. that, I don't know Emmy Rossum. I don't know. I don't know. Any, I don't know Ian Holmes' character's name. None of those people are actual characters because there's way too many of them, and none of them. Yeah. They all have equal bearing, right? There isn't one that's like, oh, th- this is our main lead, and he has a couple of guys with him. They're all kind of <laughs> just there because they're not the stars of the film. The catastrophes are. Yeah, and the thing is, the catastrophes aren't though. Like they do a horrible job of highlighting the catastrophes as the star of the movie as well. Um, I feel like what this movie did wrong was along the same lines of you, like that the fact that like we have good actors, but the characters all kind of suck. Mm. They're 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 non-dimensional at all. Uh, but I honestly do think that what this movie did wrong was it took what was a pretty solid structure and fucked it up. Like how do you <laughs> mess this up? But, but seriously, like, how do you mess this up? This isn't, it's not hard to make like a fun disaster film that people can walk out of at the end and be like, oh, you know what? That was fun. That was good yeah. times. You well, know, Joe, it's, it, go, yeah. go ahead. Go on, Tess. Well, Joe, that will cut you off a little bit. That's what goes into what I think this movie did wrong, which was basically make this message and do too much with it to where basically yeah. it's like they everything that you could think of that could happen yes. wrong with climate climate change and everything happened in this movie and it was just mm-hmm. too much stuff on top of other stuff happening and yeah. it was like oh yeah but he still has to save his son it's just a lot of shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, yeah and now we're not in only that Dude, not only does he have to save his son, but we also throw in a fake out where his boss flies some helicopters into New York to find him, realize they're not there at the library. Oh, but then they see him as they're walking across the bay. Are they walking across Hudson Bay? (laughs) I guess so, yes. (laughs) <laughs> like I kind of feel like, all right, you do that once because like it's really snowy and you can't really tell in the blizzard where you are, and you're walking down from DC. So yeah, you would come down. I think that the the eastern seaboard, you'd come down sure. around there to get to the island. You would, you know, if you're doing straight shot, sure. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, as you see things are starting to clear up, are you really going to take that chance that you're going to walk on the bay, like? I'd probably stick to like, all right, there's the remnants of the bridge over here. Let's take the bridge and, and make our way. But yeah. That are, how did they get word that Dennis Quaid found his son, but then the helicopters came in and couldn't find <laughs> I him? don't know. Because I, I have so many, so many questions. I have so, so many, many, so many stupid questions yeah. about this movie. Um, all right. So if we were going to remake The Day After Tomorrow now, how would we do that? Looks like I've done uh, nine recasts here. And a director. Really? I've got seven. I have seven in a director. I have seven as well. Well, okay. you, you guys, did anybody have a theme going on? No. No. All right. You guys probably didn't do the Seal of Ward character, did you? I almost didn't because... I, I did, yeah. Did Dr. you? Dr. Lucy Hall. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I sure did, well. did Oh, well, there you go. Who do you got? She's at the bottom of my list. Okay, go ahead. 
I got Courtney Cox Arquette. Oh, that's great. I Is she still an Arquette? Oh. I don't know, but honestly, I just I just threw it on there. Just <laughs> Very good, man. Masters of the Universe is Courtney Cox. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's right. Or Cougar Town. Courtney yeah. Cox. Ace Ventura is <laughs> Courtney Cox. <laughs> I went with the... Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark is Courtney Cox. <laughs> <laughs> I went with uh, Rene Russo because I kind of feel like Sell Award is who you get when you can't afford Rene Russo. Yeah, that's pretty good. I went with uh, Allison Janney. Oh, I love her from West Wing. Yes, nice. yes, sir. Did you guys do uh-huh. uh, Tamlin Tomita? Is the actress's name the Asian uh, climatologist? No, no. Uh, oh well, there you go. I went with the uh, actress's name is Grace Park. You may know her from uh, Hawaii Five O. Oh yeah, yep. she was also in. Uh, what was Grace Park? In? She was also in something else. Yeah, uh, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Oh man, she Mulan, maybe. No, that was Mingna. Was Mulan? Ah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Grace yeah. Parmalaker. We just showed that to we just showed that to Harper this past week. What Mulan? Yeah, is that out already? No, the the cartoon. Oh, the original. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, are they releasing new movies again? <laughs> oh, uh, Battlestar Galactica, Joe. That's what you're. That's thinking right. Of. Yeah, she was yeah, in Battlestar Galactica. Gotta love that show. Um, yeah, we we showed her Mulan. She loved it. Did she, she? She she loved it. Yeah, she thought it was great. Well, of course, she's up at at the end. It was a little scary that whole battle thing at the end, but uh, yeah. she did wonderful. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, who's next on your list, Joel? Uh, I've got the vice president slash president. He gets a little upgrade there at the end. Didn't recast him. Didn't do him. Did a big no. role, man. Well, how about Richard Jenkins in that role? Playing yeah, president. that's a good one. Eating He's crow. very presidential. Mm-hmm. All right. Who's next? Uh, actor's name is R.J. Smith. Uh, again, I don't know the character's name, but uh, he's the token black guy. Who uh, <laughs> Brian Parks. There you go. <laughs> I did not recast him. I did. Who do you got, Tess? I went with William Jackson Harper, otherwise known as Cheaty from. <gasps> you, I almost oh, went with nice. him because of the glasses, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and- and and because I also just watched Midsummer and he was in that. Yes. So I just, I so I just thought of that. Ooh, how's from Dallas? That movie was so strange. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. It was good, but also very weird. I think I might need to watch it again. Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> All right. You know, you know he's from Dallas. Did ah. not know that, but you just know what? Work at half price books. No way. Really? Yeah. yeah. He's got that what? look about him. I'll buy that. He's oh, got man, that look about him. He does. He looks like well, a bookworm. <laughs> well, I went with another uh, three-named actor, also with the name Williams. I went with Tyler James Williams, who you may know from uh, Everybody Hates Chris, uh, and he was also oh. on The Walking Dead. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice, nice. A little more age-appropriate for that role. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay, who's next? Uh, well, I do have Ian Holm, but maybe we should save him for the end, since this is our... Hey, did you guys recap Jack's assistants, Frank and Jason? I didn't do yes. Frank, but I did Jason. Okay. Oh. I uh for the Jason Evans character, I uh, I gender bent it and went with Black Panther's Letitia Wright. Oh, hmm. all right. I like it. Because in my version of this, there's a lot more of like a survival adventure element. And hmm. I think that I think she would play a better foil and a better, you know, uh a better assistant to our main character. I Agreed. think she would be great. Well, I did not do that. I went with another redhead. I'm gonna go with uh, Rupert Grint, who plays uh, Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter movies. Yes, oh. sir. Well, I went with Seth Rogen for that role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking stoner. As, 
as the young assistant. <laughs> yes, because I feel like he because that role was just such a goofy. He it was a goofy role, and he'd be hilarious in that role. I feel yes, like. he would. Right. The other assistant that I went with would be. I'm just gonna skip you already. Would be Will Ferrell for that role, the one who dies. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Could you imagine that scene? Yes. Oh. Hagen from the oh my God. Just let me go. <laughs> Just let me go. <laughs> and then he falls, and all we hear for the next ah. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Oh. It hurts so much. I think it I'm okay. I think I'm going to make it. Sweet irony. <laughs> Well, for uh, my Frank Harris, Jack's mm. old assistant, uh, I cast Bruce Willis. Oh man, interesting! Hey, right. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call an audible. I'll go with um, oh, who's Breaking Bad? Um, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Cool. Okay, who's next? Here we go. Uh, how about Emmy Rossum? Laura okay. Chapman. Beautiful Emmy Rossum. Okay, I went with Zoe Kravitz for this character. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Tess, what about you? I I actually went with Anne Hathaway, even though it's totally <laughs> man, she, over. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Why not? I'm gonna go with uh, Catherine Langford from Knives Out and uh, Thirteen oh, Reasons. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, She's great. Yeah. Hey, so better Emmy Rossum role, this or Dragon Ball? Oh, bro, definitely this. No, definitely, oh, okay. definitely Dragon Ball. Dragon, Dragon Ball. Ball. She's great. <laughs> I Dragon went with Dragon Ball. Ball that. Dragon Ball is fucking terrible. Yeah, it sucks. But <laughs> if we're talking Emmy Rossum roles, like her role in that, she was vivacious. She was she had stuff to do. She was a good yeah. character. This one, yeah. she's just a zero, man. Yeah, yeah. But I can congratulations, Tess, you failed. Wow. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I loathe that movie. Man, listen to our uh, uh, Dragon right. Ball episode. <laughs> man, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this bug. It's a ladybug. Oh, that's in the house. You have good luck. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, whatever. It's not going to be good luck for long. <laughs> kill, don't kill it. <laughs> so, do we want to go with uh, Ian Holm, the Ian Holm character, or do we want to let's let's save him for last here? since it's our okay. Ian Holm tribute? Let's, it's let's, his tribute. Yeah, let's do Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. All right, uh, Sam Hall. Mm-hmm. I went with uh, uh, Ready Player One's Tyler Sheridan. I love him, man. Ty Sheridan. Mm-hmm. He's so good. Oh, is it Ty? So, I said yeah. Tyler. Well, yeah, Tyler. Whatever. Yeah, you did. It's okay. It's fine. I went with Tom Holland. Yep, that was my runner-up. No. Yeah, yeah, man. I went with Shia LaBeouf. Oh, I almost had that too. That's great. That's mm. pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, all right. So the uh, the Dennis Quaid character, Jack. Mm-hmm. I'm going Matt Damon. Wow, Matt Damon. Okay, Tess, what do you think? I'm going Jason Bateman. Jason, at least Jason Statham. <laughs> Either one is better. Uh, I mean, hey, hey, but Jason Bateman. That's amazing, yeah. actually. That's really good. I could I, see him. See, there's somebody who can bring some like life to this role. Yeah, it, flavor to play it, like yeah. some of the cheesy comedy as well as make it work. Exactly. Um, I went with Ewan McGregor. Oh, that's strong oh. too. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, all right, so our Ian Holm character, Terry Rapson, mm-hmm. the Scottish oceanologist. <laughs> uh, I, I went with who, a. Uh, who do you have? Sorry, I went with a uh, a character actor who um, you'll know his face if you saw him, but you may not know his name. His name is uh, Eddie Marson or Marsan, uh, but he was in the uh, Sherlock Holmes, the um, Guy Ritchie Sherlock yeah. Holmes movies. He was yeah. also in um, what's the uh, um, Edgar Wright's. 
uh, the World's End. He was in that. He was one of the five yeah. characters. Um, he's got uh-huh. a really a short, a very distinct face. Very he's distinct very face. Distinct face. Uh, but uh, can also be distinguished and uh, would be a good uh, a follow-up for Sir Ian Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with Patrick Stewart. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I went with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, that Anthony was going to be my runner-up, too, from Westworld. You know what? I, I, I think I like yours the most, Joel. It was a dark horse. I wasn't even considering that guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Tess, yours is good stuff. But... Uh, uh, yeah, man, I was like, it was great. Well, you should probably probably bring an A game next time, you know. <laughs> well, at least people know yours names. Nobody knows this guy. Uh, hey, do you guys? Do you guys have a director? I do. I went with a Ridley Scott. I nice. went with Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I went with Die Hard's uh, John McTiernan. Those are all much better. Yeah. Um, if you guys have any thoughts about the day after tomorrow, mm. uh, thoughts about a recast or thoughts about the movie in general, things that we didn't mention that you've been screaming at your podcast, uh, go ahead and let us know about it. Go to facebook.com slash editing bay and, uh, and find us there or in the search bar on Facebook, type in the editing bay, find that image of the one with the bleeding eyes. You can access us there as well. Access, access us. Why did I choose to say the hardest thing in the world? <laughs> you can access us. Well, that's also disgusting, too. Yeah. Uh, you can find us there. Just find us there. Let yeah. us know what you think about the movie. Uh, and if you have ideas for other movies for us to watch, uh, go ahead and put your suggestions there. We'll add them to the list. We've also got a website, right, Joel? We sure do. It's not the editing bay. It's not edit bay. It's somewhere in between. It's editingbay.com. Please go there and uh, bookmark it. Uh, because whenever you're, you need to know something about this podcast, well, that's where you're going to find it, on EditingBay.com. You're going to find a link to uh, all of our past episodes, uh, easy way to subscribe. we got like little handy uh, buttons there for uh, Spotify and for Apple Podcasts. Subscribe that way. You can also uh, find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at TheEditingBay. Uh, it's been a little quiet recently as I've been trying to uh, uh, get this backlog of episodes up. We're recording this week's before I've even got last week's up. Uh, so yeah. stay tuned for those. But uh, all that and more on EditingBay.com. Guys, please leave us a rating and a review on your podcasting app. Uh, five-star rating would be fantastic. And just a review. Let us know what uh, what you think about the show, what you like about it. You know what? If there's stuff that you don't like, if you can improve on stuff, uh, go ahead and put your, uh, your, your criticism there. Just make it five-star criticism. Uh, and it's all good. Because you know what? If you leave anything less than five stars, you know what you are? Mm. You're the eye of the storm. Yeah. And you're just wait, you're waiting to freeze us in place. <laughs> you're just horrible. Uh, or, or <laughs> you're you're a flooded library, and I'm just trying to make a call on the payphone. <laughs> Either way, just you know, leave five stars. We'd love that. So here's what we're gonna do next week. Um, not only did we lose Ian Holm, mm-hmm. but then shortly after that, we lost director Joel Schumacher. Yeah, just days ago, uh, right? Yeah, well, by the point people are hearing this, it's probably going to be a month. <laughs> Maybe weeks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fuck you, dude. <laughs> so uh, but I feel like, especially with a podcast where we talk about bad, good, polarizing films, mm-hmm. I think Joel Schumacher is a name that's going to come up a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he did movies that we've talked about in the past. We did The Lost Boys. Right. We did Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Right. Didn't we do Batman it, and Robin? It was Batman Forever. Oh, no, Batman Forever. We did Batman Forever. Uh, so we've talked about Joel Schumacher. We've criticized Joel Schumacher. But the thing is, Joel Schumacher has also done 
good films. Yes. And I think that it would be nice for next week we kind of focus on at least a movie that I enjoy, that I think is a good movie, uh, a film from 1985 uh, that stars Rob Lowe, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, Demi Moore, uh, Andrew McCarthy. Uh, it's called St. Elmo's Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... I don't know if you've ever seen this, Tess. No, I haven't. It's a, uh, a coming-of-age film. Not only is it directed by Joel Schumacher, uh, but it also was written by Joel Schumacher. Oh. So we kind of we get to really sample uh, the talent that we had lost. Uh, so, yeah, heading back to 1985 to talk about St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, don't know where this is streaming, so fire. find it where you can. What are you talking about? Even St. Elmo's Fire knows in song. So I mean, no nah, man, there's there's actually the theme song to this movie, uh, St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, I can't re- remember who sang it. Maybe Isn't John like Parr, Christopher Loggin, or what's his name? Uh, Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Christopher Loggins. Dude, so, so this movie, this movie is is guilty of one of my favorite things movies do, and it's making a cheesy music video where the stars of the movie. Oh yeah. Perform- they're forced to awkwardly interact with the guy who's <laughs> performing that. the song. It's oh, the wow. worst. In fact, I'm going to send this to you, Tess, so you can see it. But, like, yeah, like, in the video, like, near the end of the video, like, I guess, like, he's supposed to be, like, kind of, like, making his rounds, going to see all the stars and, like, kind of giving them a little moment, trying to cheer them up. And at one point, he's, like, singing next to Rob Lowe. And there's, like, Rob Lowe kind of pats him on the back. And you can tell, like, Rob Lowe is almost kind of saying, all right, buddy, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> move along. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I'll go ahead and send it over. So, yeah, 1985's St. Almost Fire. We're going to check that out next week. Uh, Jeff, thank you, sir. That's a good job. Yeah, man. Joel, always a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. All right, guys, we'll check you next week for St. Elmo's Fire. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.